0: I remember about 10 years ago, when I turned 17, I was excited to go get my license. Everyone was graduating from school, but a young bloke named Kyle Smith was pulled dead from the lake. It was just before Christmas, and there was a massive weight of depression that blanketed the town. I remember people used to go down to that lake to cool off. Funny thing is, Kyle didn't actually drown. Forensics showed that he didn't actually have any water in his lungs. I was returning to my hometown to visit my parents. I couldn't help but find myself slowing down as I passed by the lake. The turn off to the lake was down a long road which coincidentally led to my parents' house. Then the road led further on into town. I felt as though something was pulling me towards the lake as if a magnet lay deep in the center of it, drawing me in. I slowed down and stopped got out of the car and stood there on the side of the road, looking out onto the water. The soft shimmer of the sun on the surface of the lake, memories flooded back to me. Those evenings my father and I spent out in the garage, working on the car he had bought for us to do up together. My sister sobbing at the table, and my mother comforting her while my father stood in silence. The long days of summer, and the police, and the rumours people whispered to one another. The swagger of the Smith brothers around town in the last days of Kyle's life recounted to police by those who'd seen him. That day he'd slept until eleven o'clock. He and my sister Tammy had been up late drinking the night before, and when they woke, the empty bottles and glasses were still on the bench. The smell of alcohol hung in the air of our little tiny house. They lived on the same long road as my parents did, but closer into town. I actually passed their house each day when I rode my bike home from school. Dreaming of the day my car would finally be ready for me. Kyle was hungover and he sat on the couch and rolled a cigarette while Tammy made them coffee. She asked him if he wanted anything to eat. He said no, he wasn't hungry. He was quiet and Tammy knew he was worried. He was worried because he owed Dean Smith and his brother Pete money and they were getting impatient. Kyle had informed the police, but the police wanted to know too much information about why he owed them money. Tammy said that he had bought some car parts off Pete and hadn't paid him yet, but eventually she told them the truth. But by that time, Kyle had been found and he laid cold in the morgue. Tammy wasn't worried anymore about what might happen to him as it already had. Anyway, Cole drank his coffee, smoked two cigarettes, one after the other. Then he showered and pulled on the jeans and navy t-shirt he would die in. He told her he was going to visit a friend and drove out the way he always did. Tyres screeching, sending up a cloud of dust which hung in the air. At the petrol station on the corner, he pulled in to buy some more cigarettes and an energy drink. While he stood there at the counter waiting to be served, Pete Smith walked in and came up behind him. "'I'm coming to collect today,' Pete said. "'Well, that was what the cashier heard him say, "'and she didn't know what it meant. "'But she said Kyle never replied, nor did he even turn around. "'She didn't want to get involved, "'knowing the reputation of the Smith brothers. "'My dad had actually gone to high school with them both "'in the same year as Dean, who was the oldest of the two. "'And Dad said even back then, "'they were raising hell and chaos all over town, "'making a name for themselves.' After Kyle had left the petrol station, he came to ask my father for money. When he pulled in, Dad and I were out in the garage, tightening the brakes on the car. We'd spent the last six months working on it, and just like he had promised, it was nearly finished, and that I could drive it anywhere. Kyle got out of his car, and my dad looked at him, something cold coming over his expression. He stood silent and waited. Can we talk? Kyle asked him. They headed inside to the kitchen. A minute later, I followed in and leant up against the door. I was hardly breathing, trying to catch every word of what was said. Dad was standing against the bench with his arms folded, Kyle in front of him with desperation dripping off him. Please, mate, I wouldn't ask if I didn't have anyone else to go to. I swear to God, mate, I'll pay pay you back. I, I just owe Pete some money for the car I bought off him. My father cut him off with a hard laugh. That piece of shit you're driving is not worth $500 let alone $5,000. You come here begging me for money, at least have the guts not to fucking lie about it. A liar was one of the things my father despised the most, almost as much as he did a man who would hit a woman. My sister's boyfriend was both of these. All right, all right, it's not what it sounds like, said Carl, his tone thin and pleading. A way I'd never heard him speak to my sister, he had never crawled. All right, I sold some pop, It was just a one time thing you know I just gotta get it squared up This was the version of the story that I've heard before Which was that he'd been selling for a long time for them And he'd been skimming a little bit off the top But they finally found out and it caught up with him Not only that, they wanted interest Dad stood up from the bench Even though he was the same size as Kyle He seemed to loom over him You want me to fix your fucking mess now What sort of man are you? It was a question both asked and answered in his scathing tone. A liar, a coward, the worst kind. I knew exactly what sort of man my father was and what he expected me to be. A man who was strong, who didn't cry or complain, who took care of his family and got shit done. Then my dad spoke again. I know what kind of trouble you're in. I'll pay the Smith brothers off for you and you leave town. You leave my daughter and that's the only deal. Kyle made an odd noise, helpless and angry sounding. You can't just tell me to leave town. The words weren't all the way out and my father had him around the neck, slammed him up against the wall. You think i give a shit if Dean Smith finishes you off? You're in my house. If I ever see so much as a scratch on my door again, I'll break your goddamn neck. Then he stepped back folded his arms again, as if the moment had never happened. Everything felt very still. The only sound was a fly buzzing against the window, loud and frantic. Kyle continued to stay slumped against the wall, eyeing my father, indecisive in clenching and loosening his fists. Then, without another word, he turned and left. He saw me there in the hallway, and his eyes met mine, knowing I had witnessed it, his moment of humiliation. Pushed past me roughly, shoving his shoulder into me. I felt a shiver of appreciation, not for myself, but my sister. My father had wounded him, and she would bleed for it. He left our house and went back to his own, driving fast up the long road which ran between us. He was tense when he got back, pacing and smoking in the kitchen. He and Tammy argued, at least that's what she told the police. They argued because he asked her if she would leave town with him. And she said no, she didn't want to leave her family. He told her, if she really loved him, that she would go with him. And while they were arguing, she tripped over. She hit her face against the bench and split her own lip. Later that day, Kyle drove the short distance into town and went to the pub, which Dean and Pete Smith didn't drink at. He got blind drunk and started talking big, saying he wasn't scared of the Smith brothers. He was waving his knife and was ready to kill whoever came near him. About nine o'clock that night, the doorman kicked him out. He was marched outside and told to walk it off and come back for his car in the morning. The doorman stood there and watched him leave. He was the last to see him before he was pulled, bloated and broken boned from the water. His unsteady walk as he headed down the road which led to his own house. He walked past his house and then past my parents house and kept going. The next morning his car was still there on the street and Cole was not in his bed. My sister started phoning around to see if anyone knew where he was. Two days passed and his body rose up to the surface of the lake. He was spotted by a man who was out fishing. The Smith brothers were pulled in for questioning. People saw them escorted into the station. After seeing Kyle at the petrol station, Pete Smith had gone to spend the afternoon watching his son play cricket. He stood on the sideline and watched his son make run after run. He was very proud of him and took him out for dinner after that. Then he dropped him back to his mother's house and went around to his brother's. Pete and Dean sat outside in the warm night and drank a box of Woodstock. Sometime about midnight, he couldn't remember for sure, Dean headed to bed and Pete stretched out on the couch and went to sleep. At least that was their alibi. However, nothing ever linked them there to the lake. Still, everyone in town believed it to be them. Others said there was no sense in the brothers killing him over a couple of thousand dollars. After all, how are they going to get their money if he's dead? Apparently Kyle had pissed off a lot of people around town and probably mouthed off to the wrong person as he made his way home. The police had come to our house the day after he was found to speak to my father. They sat in the lounge room. Dad had told the police about Kyle asking him for money and how he came over while he was working on the car. Then one of the cops shook his head and laughed, looked at my father. You can't have been too pleased to have your daughter shucked up with him. I sure wasn't, Dad said. I wished he had lied then, for his own sake. Not admit that he hated his daughter's murdered boyfriend. But, Dad always said, your word is all you have. Be someone people can trust. And there's no one on this earth that I trust more than him. It was a story now, a decade later, the haunted lake. Kids who swam out of there claimed they felt something, grabbed their legs under the water. He was always trying to be someone big in town, and eventually, he was. Every time I visited, Dad and I would drift out to the garage after dinner, just like we used to when I was a little kid. There was something oddly soothing about being out there with him. The petrol-scented concrete and the glow of the fluorescent light, the way we understood one another without even having to speak. "'Dad took two beers from the fridge in the garage "'and passed me one, and we stood there drinking it, "'looking towards the road. "'It's very quiet out here at night. "'I wondered if he'd felt the pull of the lake like I did. "'Do people still think it was the Smith boys "'who killed Kyle?' I had asked. "'Yeah, I guess so,' he said. "'People don't talk of it much now anymore.' "'I clearly remembered the day Kyle was pulled from the lake, "'a convoy of police cars driving past "'as we stood there in the garage.' the solemnness of their cars with sirens and lights, and the scraping sound of Dad scrubbing sandpaper over the car and the stark look of the metal underneath the old paint. Dad, stop! They might see. I begged him. He paused only long enough to look up at me. Everyone knows we've been doing up this car, son, he said. No one will think a thing about it. He was right, of course. Everyone was too busy looking at Dean and Pete Smith. The police looked right at the car as they sat in our house and looked away again. My dad bought a new headlamp to replace the smashed one and took the car in for a new paint job after he banged out the dent and no one ever said a thing except to ask what colour he wanted it. For all those years afterward when I went out there to the lake, I couldn't stop myself imagining it. My dad in the darkness hauling the body from his car, carrying him over the stones so he didn't leave a trail and how he didn't want me to know that it was him. He dropped him in all the way around the other side of the lake where the trees grew low into the water and no one ever swam and it was a long enough time before he was found for whatever evidence there were, it was now lost. I had sworn to never speak of that night, not to anyone, not even him. The memory I carried was buried inside me now. From driving up the road to test the brakes on the car and rounding a corner and seeing him there. The stunned look of him in my headlights. The drunken lumber. The glowing eyes. And for an instant, I again saw him barging past me in the hallway of my house. Driving home and beating my sister. There was a moment I could have actually braked, but I didn't. I could have swerved, but I didn't. My dad was there in minutes after I called him. He stood with me looking at the lifeless shape of Kyle on the side of the road. There was the sound of something deep in the night. Frogs and birds coming from the bush. My dad put his hand on my shoulder and looked at me steadily. Listen to me. This is my fault. I was the one driving. You got that? You can never ever speak about this again. Do you understand? He pressed his own keys into my hand, ordered me to drive his car home, take a shower and go to bed and forget this ever happened. I got into his car, and saw in the rearview mirror, the old car there on the side of the road, and my father beside it, with a phone in his hand. From that moment, that was the end of my first life. The hazy days of childhood, where anything felt possible. The life which came after, was both darker and clearer. The knowledge of exactly what I was. So dad, I've always wondered, who did you call that night? I wasn't sure if he'd answer me as I'd made a promise to him never to speak of it again. He had protected me all these years. I called Dean Smith and I told him I'd hit someone on the road and I needed his help. We go back a long way, me and him, and he helped me dump Kyle's body out there. He nodded his head toward the lake. We couldn't see it from here, but we could feel it. It was something which would always be there between us, the dark magnet of the past pulling at us. So what did you have to do for him in return? Dean Smith did no favours. What he gave, you paid for. My dad looked at me again. I paid off Carl's debt to him and he let people think what they wanted to think. I thought then of Dean Smith's long silence, denying or admitting nothing. The silence which had grown between me and my dad. All of us were bound by it. That night I knew my father would do anything to protect me. I knew what sort of man he was. One who took care of his own. I wanted to be just like him.